our next guest, Newt Gingrich. Thank you for your time, Newt. Well, listen, I'm, I'm delighted uh, to have a chance to be with you, and, and uh, just, you know, it's kind of a wild period. I've, I've never I've never seen anything like it. We are. So in, I'm, I'm honored to have a chance to share. We're in a really bizarre time right now. You're coming to us, uh, I was told, live from Italy, which is, of course, one of the hot spots during this pandemic. Can you give us a sense of the demeanor of the citizens over there, or are you not seeing any citizens because you're quarantined? Well, that's right. No, we, we, look, they got in so much trouble. Uh, it turned out that Northern Italy had about uh, 100,000 Japanese workers, I mean, Chinese workers. So when the Chinese companies bought the Italian high-value high companies, they wanted to be able to still say made in Italy. So they just brought Chinese workers in. So it's made in Italy by Chinese. Um, and the result was they had three flights a week to Wuhan directly from, from Northern Italy, where Trump stepped in and took some heat closed off the flights from China, the Italian government was politically correct and for another three or four weeks allowed three flights to come in every single week. Literally, it got out of control in northern Italy and so badly out of control that they have closed the whole country down. So the only things that are open are gas stations, pharmacies, and grocery stores. And in that setting, if you go out on the street without a legitimate reason, the police can fine you up to 3,000 euros which would be about $3,400. So <clears throat> they've taken it very seriously. And the result is, in the last week, and we've been doing this now for over a month, in the last week, it has begun to become more effective, and you're seeing the rate of the virus spreading drop dramatically. It <clears throat> went down from about 10% a day. It's at about 2.6% yesterday. My hope is that by Monday or Tuesday, it'll be down below 2%. And at that point, they're going to start thinking about how they can reopen the country. It has been really a tough five or six weeks. I saw that you and your wife, Callista, your lovely wife, posted a, a, a photo on Instagram that you guys took in Palm Sunday Mass. Uh, it's my understanding Pope Francis, though, did his service to an empty church. So I'm assuming you guys caught that on the phone or on the television? But no, we watched it. Uh, they, they streamed it. We actually, on Palm Sunday, watched uh, the Pope, and then because of the six-hour time difference, <clears throat> we saw the Pope at noon in Rome, and then at uh, 6 o'clock Roman time, which was noon back home, we watched the Basilica where Callista sang in the choir for 20 years, and uh, it was also empty. So we had this weird experience, these two gigantic churches, uh, both of them offered Mass by streaming video, um, both of them were closed. Uh, again, it's going to be true tonight, we're going to watch uh, the Pope on the, on the Holy Thursday which will be streamed, and then we'll watch Friday and Saturday and, uh, and Sunday, which will be all be streamed. And uh, Sunday we'll probably also watch the Basilica, just because Costa loves seeing the people that she used to work with for so many years. But it is, it's, you know, I'm talking to you from Rome, which has 900 churches, and yet all of them are closed for, for legitimate reason until we break the back of the virus, because when you put lots of people in the same room, you really increase the likelihood that the virus will keep spreading. And so, in a sense, this is a strategy designed to, to starve the virus out. And that's what's going on. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, joins us here. He's got a brand new book. Uh, maybe can take your mind uh, off of what's going on. Also, you got plenty of time on your hands. Grab the new novel. It's called Shakedown. Now, this is a fiction novel, right, with some underlying truths to the story. I guess it involves Russian and Iran, an attempt to uh, embark nuclear war on the U.S. Tell us a little bit more about this story uh, that you wrote. Yeah. Well, Shakedown starts with the historic facts 
that in World War II, the U.S. studied whether or not you could set off underwater explosions and create a tidal wave to drown Japanese ports. And then uh, the Soviet Union during the Cold War studied the same thing with the use of nuclear weapons. So there's a, a basis historically for this, this concept. We then have an Iranian who actually was modeled on Soleimani, the general that we killed in Iraq, uh, but we'd already gone to press by the time that happened, so we kept him in. Uh, but we have uh, an Iranian general who hates America, who wants to work with a Russian billionaire. The billionaire has found an old Russian submarine. The general has an Iranian nuclear weapon, and their goal is to set it off underwater off of Washington and Baltimore. We have... Uh, two American heroes, Valerie Mayberry, who's an FBI agent, uh, and Brett Garrett, who's a Navy SEAL, and uh, their job is to stop them. And so uh, think of it as a roller coaster ride. This is really designed to say, if you're tired of worrying about the virus and you're tired of worrying about politics, uh, I think you'll find Shakedown a very interesting alternative uh, way to spend some of your time. I saw that the uh, part two of this uh, book, Shakedown, this novel that you wrote, you quote the uh, the German poet Heinrich Hein, in which uh, the quote is, we should give forgiveness to our enemies, but not before they're hanged. I know that some people in our society now, in, mo- in modern times, they look at something like this and they say, wow, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. But the reality is, uh, this, this is the way business was handled, right? Look, remember, the uh, after World War II at the Nuremberg Trials, there were a substantial number of people who were given death penalties because they had done really evil things. Uh, and I think that that's just, that's just something to remember. That uh, as, you know, Churchill said you could be magnanimous after you won the victory, but not before you won the victory. And I think we have to sometimes remember that. And, and uh, frankly, that should be a little bit of our attitude going into finding out exactly what happened to the uh, whole problem that we have with the... Um, Chinese and with the World Health Organization, uh, a lot of people have died, and an amazing amount of money has been lost uh, because the Chinese and the World Health Organization decided to lie to the American people. Yeah, your previous book, Newt, was titled Trump versus China, another book you should go out and, and get that's uh, penned by our guest here, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, Fox News contributor. I will give Trump some credit for being really tough on trade with China, uh, not only China, but other countries as well. Uh, I like that we've flexed our muscles a little bit. I want jobs uh, back here in the U.S. Where are we now in this matchup of Trump versus China, and how does this coronavirus play a part, you think? Well, think of it as a 15-round fight, and we're about in round two. Um, I think what, what the experience of the coronavirus will do is it will convince a larger number of American leaders that China is a dangerous adversary, that they are completely untrustworthy, and that the Chinese dictatorship uh, behaves exactly like a dictatorship. Uh, you know, they, they, they had doctors who, in December, were warning them and their, their answer was to lock them up and to, and to attack them and to smear them and, and only let them out if they were willing to sign something saying that they were wrong and that the virus wasn't a problem. And as late as the middle of January, the World Health Organization, which the Chinese nominate, uh, was saying that there's no evidence of human-to-human transmission. Well, they knew that was a total lie. And I think as people learn more about this, and I think the Congress should look in detail, at just how really bad the Chinese behavior has been. Uh, and I think it's, it's a serious, serious problem. 
there's a lot of time on people's hands out there. I have a few friends that are into these conspiracies, uh, Mr. Speaker. I'm, I'm wondering if uh, you could shed some light on this, but there are some people that are claiming that this is all a covert military operation. They're trying to deroute corruption amongst the elite in our world, including Hollywood, uh, including uh, politicians. And uh, they're saying that it'd be really hard to shoot up a school or blow up an office building when there's no bodies in these spaces and that there's a possibility that this is a military operation. Do you believe any of that? No. Um, I think that the the virus itself almost certainly came out of a bat. Uh, there was a 2007 article written by former Chinese scientists that warned that bats in South China are host to coronavirus, and they said if, if we if people keep eating these bats, sooner or later, the virus is going to cross over to humans. And they said this is a time bomb waiting to go off. I mean, it is literally that bad. And and uh, so I think they had a, they had a twelve year period to fix this. They didn't fix it, <clears throat> and now they're suffering the consequences. Now I do think once the pandemic started, that the Chinese behaved in terrible ways, and that there's more than enough reason to be really angry at the communist dictatorship, and there's more than enough reason to clean out the World Health Organization. But I, I, but I don't think that, that that's a conspiracy. I just think that that's a reality. What do you think is the biggest threat on our national security here in 2020 and, and moving forward here in the next decade? The biggest strategic threat is the collapse of our education system and the fact that we don't produce enough people capable of doing math and science and being engineers and technology people. Uh, modern, modern economies require very sophisticated workforces, and our schools have decayed so badly in the last 40 years that it, it's, a, it's an enormous long-term threat to us. Talking with Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House. Go get his uh, new novel. It's available wherever you buy books. It's called uh, Shakedown. You know, Newt, we have a lot of African Americans that listen to this radio show. It's uh, Our station is owned by Shaquille O'Neal. Um, whether it's Donald Trump's fault or not his fault, the perception of a large majority of African Americans portray him as a racist. Unfortunately, that's just the, the reality of it. I know that you looked out for African Americans in your time in Washington. Heck, MLK Day wouldn't be a holiday if it wasn't for our guests that we're talking to right now. So what would you say to the African-American voters out there that right now you're hearing some of the, oh, he, he doesn't look out for our community, he, he's a racist, uh, they, they believe this stuff. Uh, what would you say, because I know that you are a supporter of our, our president, uh, what would you say to these voters? Well, I, I would say, first of all, that in terms of the things he's actually worked on, he he clearly has been very aggressively uh, doing things that help the African American community. They had the prior to this this pandemic, we had the lowest unemployment rate in history for African Americans. Uh, he has increased dramatically the amount of money going to historically black colleges and universities. Uh, he has been uh, deeply committed to uh, bringing jobs back home, which will be a huge help to the African American community. Uh, the work he did. Uh, without him, we would not have passed the uh, prison reform legislation that we did pass, which is of enormous importance in large parts of the black community. Uh, so I would say that there are a lot of specific things uh, that, that Trump represents, very different kind of approach, a very hands-on, practical approach, 
to try to help create a better future for all for all Americans, and that means, in particular, uh, for African Americans who have more to gain than any other group in America if we have the right kind of economic policies and the right kind of social policies. And uh, also, I would point out that uh, the commitment to school choice and to giving parents the ability to send their children to, to good schools is very directly important to the African-American community because that is the community which is most trapped in really bad schools uh, and therefore have their lives ruined because they don't learn the skills necessary to go out in the marketplace and to get good jobs. All right, and finally, before we let you go, Newt, we like to get to know our, our guests a little better. Uh, we, we like to ask our guests if they collect anything specific. I like to collect vinyl records. We found out Tom Hanks likes to collect typewriters. Is there anything Newt Gingrich likes to collect around the house? Yeah, I, I, I collect fossils. You do? Interesting. I have, I have, uh, I have my quest was very good to me and got me a cast from the Cleveland Museum of a, um, a, a nano tyrannus, which is a small T-Rex, uh, which is very exciting to me. Uh, my daughters gave me some fossil fish. Uh, the American Museum of Natural History gave me the cast of a Chinese feathered dinosaur, which looks almost like modern art. Uh, to me, though, that, that, that gets me very excited. I, I, love, I love fossils, and I love uh, thinking about uh, the natural world. So that's one of the things I guess I'd say that I collect. All right, well, we're going to have to throw you a bone at some point, Newt, and maybe you'll come back because I got about 20 more <laughs> questions. I, I got like 20 more questions for you, Newt, but uh, we've run out of time. Go pick up the All new right. book, Shakedown. Thank you so much uh, for your time, Mr. Speaker, and, and stay safe over there in Italy. Hope to get you back to the U.S. of A here real soon.